The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the book club show on Inspire 105.1 FM. My name is Imrana Mahmood and today is the 20th of June and it's just turned 10 o'clock. I hope you have had a wonderful morning so far. I know it's a little bit wet out there. I hope everyone doing um, the school run and commuting to work you didn't get too wet and you managed to stay dry hopefully um, but it is a bit muggy and I'm sure the sun's going to be back out very very soon so we shouldn't really complain I know I did catch myself complaining a little bit about the heat but um, I won't I won't do that again so it'd be lovely to have the sun back but of course we do know the rain is a blessing as well alhamdulillah I'm sure everyone who is into kind of gardening will be very very thankful for the rain um, I don't have actually green fingers unfortunately um, but we are going to talk a lot today about nurturing because I'm really really delighted to be in the studio talking about a wonderfully new um, published book by Q Publishing and this is called Dear Mother's uh, Dear Mother Letters from the Heart and it has been written by Suma Din and I am really excited to be interviewing um, Suma today about this wonderful book. There's going to be lots to talk about, lots of different themes um, but what I will do is I'll delve straight into the book itself and introduce um as I always do with the books, um, the blurb. And just to mention, we are on Facebook Live today. So if you are handy, kind of near, you know, you've got your phone or you're, you're near the PC, um, maybe even if you're working, you could just, you know, have it on, you know, just to just to have a look or listen. I'm sure we won't be um, disrupting your work. Um, but yes, yeah, so we are on um, Facebook Live, so you can tune in. Um, but yes, let's get into um, today's book on the book club show. We are discussing Dear Mother Letters from the Heart by Sumadin. Dear Mother brings together mothers of all ages and backgrounds in a compendium of fictional letters written from the heart. This book empathises with missing mothers nurturing their families. Their experiences are second generation parents um, are Sorry, let me just do that again. Their experiences as second generation parents are captured in a variety of candid letters from one mother to another. These thought provoking letters reveal a variety of mothers um, in dialogues, voices which are rarely heard in society. So just to introduce our wonderful guest, Sumadin is an author, educator and researcher. Her publications for adults explore Muslim women and spirituality and her children's non-fiction books cover the subjects of faith, global citizenship and environmental responsibility. Dear Mother is her second book on motherhood after Muslim mothers and their children's schooling. Suma lives in Buckinghamshire, UK with her family. So I'm really delighted to welcome Suma to the show. So assalamu alaikum Suma. I hope that you are there and you'll be able to um, unmute and uh, hopefully turn your camera on and we're not going to have any tech issues today. Um, so can you hear me? Yes, Assalamu alaikum Imrana, I can hear you. Wa alaikum Um Just to check, is your, is your camera on? Right, um, I am trying very hard with some uh, assistance to no get problem. my browser to allow the camera to go on uh, for okay. some reason my um, nightmare has just uh, happened as in yes for whatever reason the camera's not um browser's not allowing the camera on so i've got some support and hopefully yes. we'll get started and inshallah no it problem. will work that's <laughs> fine we can we could just yeah we will go with the flow absolutely no not a problem but it's so wonderful to have you on the show thank you so much for taking um the time out obviously this morning because i can imagine you must be quite busy because obviously it's um your book, Dear Mother, has just been published by Q Publishing and then it's due to be kind of rolled out um, over other uh, platforms as well. Um, so I guess my, my kind of where I want you to start is just to talk a little bit about um, your inspiration behind writing this book. So maybe if we start there and then we can talk a little bit more about the details. Sure. Um I'm actually just double multitasking right now because I sure. think I might be able to get on. Okay. So um, if you just give me one second in my name, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. What I'll do, what I'll do is while while you're doing that, I can just talk a little bit about 
Oh, there's a little bit of feedback. Yeah, so what I'll do is I'll talk a little bit about um, a couple, some of the chapters that I've seen in the book. And as I mentioned, oh, there you are. It's so lovely to see you. Um, so obviously you've got... That's good. Alhamdulillah. We are there. We are there. Um, so yeah, let's come back to the, the question then. Um, what was your inspiration behind um, writing Dear Mother? Oh, it's a, it's a long it's a long process and a long journey. But um, dear mother, I think it's been growing. You know, when something's inside you and it's there for many years. Alhamdulillah, I've been a mother for oh, well over twenty five years now, and there are so many instances and and interactions as well as on another side research that I've been doing about Muslim mothers and motherhood per se. Mm that actually brings so many thoughts together. And I think the journey got distilled into this book in particular because every time I read something to do with um, motherhood studies or just books where mothers' voices are present um, and they're exploring the whole messy nature of motherhood, I always found, you know, this is, is useful to read other perspectives and the diversity, but where are we in all of this? Okay, so um, that was something that I definitely found, you know, it's just missing and more than missing, not just for the sake of, you know, having literature that represents us, but where are we exploring our motherhood Mm. as it stands today? Because it's something quite different to what our parents experienced. Mm. It's quite different to what um, even, you know, one generation above us who settled in this country there are some overlaps but we're definitely doing something quite different Mm. and so dear mothers come from wanting to explore wanting to represent wanting to contribute really to to the body of literature in this area Mm. yeah no absolutely and I guess I'm thinking there's you know like you said there's something there um, in your introduction, um, sorry, into the into the blurb as well, this idea that obviously mm-hmm. they they are rarely heard, um, and and then I guess maybe you know I'm I'm kind of thinking what was the reason that you chose to um, do the book, you know, dear mother, in the form of fictional letters because I found that really really interesting. It was very um, just I guess a different way of engaging with a book. So yeah, I was interested to know that. Mm. Yeah, I um, I went with fiction for this, and that's the mm. first time I've done something like this. Mm. Um, it's always non-fiction. My area has mm. always been non-fiction for adults and children. Mm. The reason I chose um, non-fiction, uh, Imrana, is because it just gives space. You know, it's that license, that creative license. I'm being a creative yourself, um, I, and I can appreciate the freedom mm. that it gives. I think I was quite afraid to try something like this years ago um i probably would have you know really shied away from the idea and said oh my gosh i can't do that Mm. but um the 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 liberty you get to create situations create different voices different people uh that just lend itself lent itself really well to exploring a variety of situations because if I were to write that you know first person or in a bit more of a um yeah sort of Mm. a a theoretical way it would be quite dry and it would be quite random as well whereas the letters here uh even though they are each one is completely different to the other one they're Mm. separate they do um allow me by being non by being fiction to uh, just go into a completely different setting, mm. different time, different place. Mm. Uh, and I think I really enjoyed that. Um, mm. Yeah, so it'll, be, it'll be up to readers to sort of say whether they connected with that or not. Yeah. But I definitely enjoyed the process. Well, I mean, as a reader, I definitely connected with it. I think it was a wonderful um <laughs> It was wonderfully written. So, I mean, you know, if I had to pick a word, and I don't sound like a cliche, but just the the empathy in in the writing, it just meant that whatever chapter I read, there was something that I think resonated. And I think that was really, really lovely. And I do have to mention the book itself Mm -hmm. is so, so beautiful. And obviously, if anyone is watching on Facebook Live, we've got, yeah, we've got our copies. And I think I said to you yesterday how, yeah, Yeah. and I think I said to you yesterday, 
how I kept I kept touching the cover because this yeah. has got lovely texture. <laughs> and my children like, Ami, what what are you doing? I was like, No, you don't understand. I look how it feels. So no, mashallah, it's really yeah. lovely. So can you t- say just maybe a little bit of you know why why that and and you know the lovely flower um kind of design and you know where that kind of came from <laughs> that creative aspect of it. Yeah, actually, it's, I'm laughing in runner because I'm just as pleased um, as you are. I'm just as surprised, mm. actually, because um, all my work was to do with the writing. Okay, mm-hmm. And I had very little input in the cover. But, uh, mashallah, the great folks at Cube, mm. they chose this design. Um, and, you know, obviously, they run bits of it past you and the color. Actually, they run all of it past me, mm. the color and the... Um, the gold inlay sure. uh there's choices you know i was sent some sketches and they said you know what kind of um floral design would you like and we mm. have these options mm-hmm. so everything yeah i saw it in bits mm-hmm. um but it was definitely none of it was my idea at all so that was new publishing and i i the director or marketing or all of them put together Mm. they decided to go for this fabric feel and Mm. i i agree with you i really love it when it came um the physical copy i was so surprised because i'd been seeing the pdf they'd been sending me um the cover and you just can't tell what it's like until you hold it Mm. Right, um, right. Just the, the finishing, it's got a really lovely classic um, mm. inside paper as well. It's a real gift book and alhamdulillah, yes. I'm so grateful to Cube for producing something mm. that's um, quite feminine, but not mm. not in that cliched way. No, no, absolutely. And yeah. and I'm glad you mentioned gift because um, obviously we are in the month of um, Zilhijjah, like mashallah, and um, very soon there'll be either around the corner. So just to put it in there for anybody who's kind of thinking what might be a nice yeah. gift to give, I would definitely recommend this. So what we can do now is yeah, kind of talk a little bit about the the book itself and some of the themes that you, you cover. And I have to say, like mashallah, you managed to go so much in depth you know even though like we discussed that they are in the form of fictional letters and it gave you that kind of creative freedom um now in i think it was part of the introduction maybe the first chapter i can't quite remember now but you mentioned yes it is introduction um something about like an, this imaginary motherhood lane and then you kind of say it, it led to a vista fulfillment um and i, I was i was kind of reading that and i thought I, again you know this kind of idea how did I feel uh, about motherhood before I became a mother uh, what were my thoughts what were my perceptions and and then what was the reality you know um, mm-hmm. so I guess my question was you know what do you think as women obviously primarily because we're talking about you know motherhood specifically these kind of ideas thoughts are based on um, so that's kind of yeah actually if, if you answer that bit then I've got a second bit to the question as well Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that is from the introduction, actually, because mm. I wrote a letter to the readers. Mm, um, that's right, of course. Introduction. Yes. Um, and I think that's just reflecting, maybe it's changed a bit now because mm. the world has changed, information is flowing, you know, from every area. But when I became a mother, this was in the world of no internet, mm. no, you know, just magazines, literally yes. magazines and mother care freebie magazines and all that kind of thing (laughs) and your own experience you know um for what that's worth so i was very young uh when i became a mother alhamdulillah and i think what i had was quite a naive expectation Hmm. because nothing can prepare you for what you're going to deal with as the mother yourself Mm. responsible for this little life Mm. day and night um and i i had nieces nephews and that's mostly fun and you play with them and and then you hand them back or even if you've got responsibility you don't have the whole night thing and Mm. just everything that goes with it and the tantrums and all of that you generally get all the good bits so this um slightly romanticized rose-tinted perception is mm. what I had as a young you know 22 yeah. 23 year old when mm. I was when I had my first baby mm. and I think that does get fed at that time particularly through you know popular TV adverts mm. just whatever we're consuming mm-hmm. um, and all those kind of pastel shade nice uh, magazine yeah, and yeah. 
products as well where the mom and the baby and everything just looks so perfect and lovely it doesn't prepare you for the absolute hot mess that you're in <laughs> for the first i don't know months years sometimes i'm in that now and i'm like decades down the line but um, so i think it was a bit of a different world in terms of expectation so i had that kind of unrealistic thing that this is just quite easy and mm. i think there's a lot more realism around now mm. because of sure. the internet because of social media um publishing has taken on a lot more confessional and mm. um biographical memoir type <laughs> books which bear all so i think maybe now maybe mm. new mums aren't as naive mm. but i certainly was Sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I just probably wanted to echo that because I think I was probably very similar, <laughs> slightly older than maybe you. I think I, I was 27 when I had my first and still, you know, had this notion of what <laughs> what it would mean. And um, so, yeah, and, and you know, in the same part of the um, introduction uh, a bit further on, you mentioned this idea that motherhood, um, it, it's magnificent humbling chaotic experience um and this mention of the fact that you know maybe you know at the time there's a bit of naivety you're right maybe there is a bit more kind of um women have a bit more sense of, of what what it might entail but is there anything particular that we can do maybe um or society or you know um communities to help prepare women for for what it might be or is it definitely something that you just gotta you just gotta you know um go with it I think um, there are some things that really help mm. um, and they still help me today because mm. we, you don't, you know, um, sign out of being a mum once at 18 or 20 or whatever. Mm. You're still mm. there. You're still the mother figure. Mm. And I think multi-generational contact and communication mm. really helps. Mm-hmm. Um, people who've been through it, and I don't just mean mothers. Mm-hmm. It could be aunts. It could be women who don't have children and they're just older or a lot younger. I find I'm always um, supported in my thinking mm-hmm. um, and challenge mm-hmm. when I've got different age groups. I think once we're in a bubble of just our own contemporaries and our own peers, I think that's when we make life a bit harder for ourselves. Mm-hmm. But if we have access or we go seeking out um, people who are also from different backgrounds in run i found that really helpful yeah. um as part of the research for this book i remember two or three lovely conversations yeah. with a somali auntie mm-hmm. who's a grandmother mm-hmm. and you know we had so much to talk about she had so much to share about her culture her experience some of it is in the book as that's why i was interviewing her mm-hmm. um and I think that's so enriching because that takes away some of the naivety, also takes away some of the um, fear factor mm. when you realize that actually across the globe, across mm. the world, everybody's facing challenges mm. in their mothering. It's not just you on your own. Mm. Um, you know, you're not a bad mom because mm. you don't know what to do half the time. Uh, yeah. it, it, every Everyone faces it. And I think the more we discuss things mm-hmm. with a range of backgrounds range of range of ages i think that's probably one of the best preparation yeah and that's such wonderful i guess advice or something to to live by the idea of, of community and, and connection and what you mentioned quite yeah. importantly you know the inter, intergenerational aspect and i guess maybe that's something else that has changed over time whereas you know in in the past we've grown up in maybe multi-generational households with your know, grandparents mm-hmm. parents children uh, grandchildren etc mm-hmm. um and you know and, and i guess the kind of goes on to my slight next question which was this idea you know we hear a lot about um you know the the fact that it takes a village to raise a child um and the fact though we know at the same time that there are mothers you know that we go through periods of feeling quite isolated and, and you know maybe lonely um so again maybe just I guess I'm thinking if we're living in such fast paced like lifestyles and I don't know why it maybe feels more so now than it did maybe you know, like, you know, a couple of decades ago, I'm not sure. Um, Would you think there's a way rectifying this? I mean, obviously, I know you've mentioned it's really important to have those connections, but if maybe we're struggling to even leave the house, you know, as mums or something, Mm -hmm. like, what do you think might might help that sense of kind of isolation? Yeah, it it is hard, Imran. I'm really glad Mm -hmm. you mentioned it because 
you know, visually there's just loads of mums and people around. Mm. So someone might think, well, how can you be lonely? But it, it's such an isolating experience, especially in mm. that first year, mm. because um, the mother's health is herself needs looking after some you know some people more some people less but depending on the type of birth and everything that's happened afterwards mm. um so i think while it is ideal to find people who have different backgrounds and different generations it's not always easy mm. but i would say that there are different charities and organizations that they have got local places set up might not be all of them, but um, some at least will have, you know, mm. even a mother-toddler session that's local. Mm. I think that's something that tends to be in every single area, mm -hmm. that there is some type of early years provision that's free and that you can join. Mm -hmm. Even if that's once a week, it can make a huge difference to mm -hmm. a young mom or a new mom, or not necessarily even a new mom. Sometimes moms have got grown-up kids and then they have a baby and there's a different sense of isolation they feel mm. um, so I think those type of settings because it's not somebody's home mm -hmm. um, it's not really personal um, mm. it's easier to access those sometimes mm -hmm. and actually just connect with you don't actually need numbers so much as just connection with one or two people mm -hmm. um, there are online groups of course uh, where there's you know so many sort of national groups for mothers to join online but there's a limit to that isn't it because again you're physically isolated it's you and a screen um but it's better than absolutely nothing you know so we're fortunate that there are facebook groups there are organizations with their platforms online mm. um to connect moms and to share information um, and sometimes those are the best ways to find something local going on mm. um, and yeah just tr to try one step at a time I think the whole village raising a child yes it's a nice idea but it's not ready-made and it's not mm. handed to anyone mm. so I know from my own experience it took time it took years mm. to sometimes it was connections through a mosque sometimes it was connections through um, a health visitor sometimes mm. they can be the, the the vehicle of connecting you with one or two small groups going on so there's mm. plenty of ways um, and I think there's no um, substitute for human connection mm. Definitely, while online yeah. connections are great it's that human sharing a cup of tea with another mum or another person who's got that time for you mm. um, when you're in those early stages in particular is really helpful no definitely and I think you know and, and you're right you know this idea of just just looking local and and maybe I mean it's just come to my mind now when you're mm -hmm. um you know have the wonderful news that you know you're expecting a baby maybe that's the time when you still have a bit of energy to have a look around you know what's on locally what's going on so then inshallah when when the time comes you're feeling really tired and like oh god you know what's going on you kind of already done your you know recce around uh, around town um but yeah, no, I mean, I recall one of the most, um, I mean, I could just have to say a blessing because again, you know, this idea of breastfeeding, I remember thinking, oh yeah, it's going to be easy. And it was one of the most difficult things I have ever, ever um, done. But yeah. the but the support I got from, um, there's a, you know, what they were called at the time, like a lactation specialist and, you yeah. know, she, you know, through, through the NHS and she used to hold these little kind of clinics and just first time mothers going and just getting help with you know how to breastfeed and how to latch, get your baby to latch on and you know alhamdulillah it was such a uh, amazing thing and yeah so I guess that's just you know an example I guess from my own experience I want to share um now one of the great yeah and I was, I was just gonna say so you know your first letter is um uh, kind of addressed to um, uh, working mums, you know, a mum who has a second uh, a second job, I think is the actual title. Um, and my, my question around, you know, reading or some of the thoughts that were going through my mind as, as I was reading that chapter was that, you know, that mothers mothers are always working is which is kind of what you basically mentioned in in that um in that mm. chapter in that letter but what do we do to then you know again in in a in a society or a culture or whatever it might be that motherhood tends to be sometimes undervalued um mm. and why do you think that is and why do you think we we have those challenges 
Yeah, I mean, that letter came from exactly what you've said, mm. Be- that feeling, and not, it's not just that feeling, it's manifested so much in the language that people are using, mm. that motherhood is undervalued completely, mm. that it's it's, an, it's like an, almost like a non-job, you know, you'll get, I think it's in that letter, is it somewhere in the book, mm-hmm. where someone will say, well, what do you do? Yeah. And if you say, you know, it could be the GP, and it could be quite a kind you know benign question they're not actually trying to needle but what do you do and if you say i'm a mom mm. they'll kind of wait well and yeah and and what else um so that was really what i was trying to address that that is a huge contribution and it is valuable and you are giving to society mm. by nurturing these children and supporting them and all the networks that go with supporting a child that you mothers tend to feed into so many other voluntary areas of the community that they're supporting um and it it's undervalued because we've moved in a way of thinking in the second half of the 20th century that only what's done economically mm. um uh, that earns a salary is something that's valuable to the country. I was just going to stop you there, Simil. This is really important, I think, question, which will continue after the break. Um, So, inshallah, we will be back with you in a few moments. So, as-salamu alaykum. Wa alaykum salam. As-salamu alaykum. This is Atif Nawaz. Listen to Inspire FM shows in your time by heading over to inspirefm.org or listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Assalamu alaikum and welcome back to the book club show on Inspire 105.1 FM. My name is Imran Mahmood and on today's show I am delighted to have Asuma Deen in um, the studio with me today, albeit it's a virtual studio. And we are discussing her new book, Dear Mother, Letters from the Heart. And just before the um, break we were talking to Suma about um, her one, the first letter in this book because it takes the form of fictional letters about women who um are who have a second job but obviously the fact that all mothers are working and why maybe in society motherhood is sometimes undervalued so i'm going to come back to summer and um yeah i mean i, I know we kind of got interrupted a little bit by uh, the break but yeah what would you like to kind of add to what you were saying just before um in in the first half yeah thank you Imrana. we were discussing weren't we how motherhood as an occupation mm. is undervalued because it's not seen as contributing economically mm. um, to GDP. And that before, in the first sort of half of the 20th century and earlier, the contribution of raising a family was seen as valuable. Um, and what's happened with, you know, it's great that women have more opportunities and have more ability to study, work. You know, I'm not saying that that's, the problem that's not the problem at all that's great and women should have a choice mothers and non-mothers you know all women should have that choice of what they do with themselves but the choice of raising children mm. is sadly seen in unspoken terms as you're you're wasting your time and you're not doing anything mm-hmm. people won't say it like that mm. but um that contribution is huge and that um, sacrifice and everything that goes with it is huge mm. and it should be valued. So my mm. argument in that letter is not, you know, um, for women not to work who are mothers. It's not about that. It's saying that when you do motherhood, when you're raising those children, you are working mm. and not to feel devalued. You you know, you are putting in lab- whatever labels we want to put, whether it's labor work, whether that's, you know, your um you know what you're most comfortable doing what the choice you've been able to make um that is valuable Mm -hmm. and on top of that if you're also working as in working in a paid role then that's fair enough you're able to do that each person's got a different circumstance Mm -hmm. um and obviously nobody devalues or judges i certainly don't mothers who are working outside the home mm-hmm. or working uh, with their own businesses whatever they're doing they have absolutely every right to do that mm-hmm. um and that uh, contribution is equally valuable my argument is don't 
let society or yeah. or we need to push back at society mm. saying that if we're doing the motherhood role that that's equivalent to nothing mm. because i tell you what when we don't do the role if we step away from that role mm. for one week mm. what would happen <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah what exactly. would actually happen then every mm. um every kind of organization social services yeah everybody would descend on us mm. for not doing our role mm. right yeah yeah, yeah, uh, yeah and when we do it it's a nothing so there is this angst yes there yeah. is <laughs> there, there definitely is a, and it's not just me it's and we uh, it's so many countless women i've discussed this with mm. and i think we all in our own way um deal with this depending on our circumstance depending on our ambition or mm. our dreams what what we want to do and then squaring that with motherhood mm. that's one thing but when you're talking outside and to your you know you're engaging with organizations or people or just you know even socially mm. out there and your role is continuously devalued mm. then we need to have a conversation about it that's why that letter is mm. one of those uh, exploring the subject yeah and you know it's really interesting because again you mentioned you know this idea of invisible labor and i know there's such a powerful thing about language isn't there what language you're using and and i know there's also you know i i think sometimes as women or mothers we internalize it because when we're asked the question mm -hmm. what do you do we go oh we're just um we're, we're yeah. just you know at home or full we're just a full-time mom or you know something like that and that just is so loaded because we we're you know are we being forced to even devalue what we're doing ourselves within the home and you know like you said it's it's work and what would happen if we were to stop that work you know um so absolutely you know and I, I think that being the first letter it definitely opens up kind of what I guess in you know your your intention you know with with the book um as a whole is as well um and then just going on to maybe an, another letter that you've um that you've written uh, as part of obviously um the book Dear Mother um you talk about a letter um basically as a letter which is addressed to a mother who has a child with a disability and um again it's it's i guess a topic you know like you, it was mentioned in in the blurb the you know stories or experiences that we don't really get to hear you know a lot of um and do you think that it might be because our, our communities maybe and this is across the board not just talking about you know muslim communities in particular but just maybe generally as well that we have and we suffer from you know problems with with, with ableism and uh, you know what do you think needs to be done to be more inclusive so actually um yeah that we're able to all be you know part of yeah i guess the same community and enjoy the same kind of experiences and and, and chances yeah again a, a really huge topic isn't mm. it Imrana? um i felt so strongly about this and mm. it was actually one of the first letters i wrote a few years ago um mm. when i was thinking about the whole idea this one really came uh from my own observations that when we're in a community setting and mm. i've used the mosque because mm. you know this is quite a clearly the whole book is from within a muslim mm -hmm. faith framework yeah of course so yeah. i use the mosque as a setting and as an example of how we need to do so much more because yeah we do um have a problem with mm. being much more inclusive not just in a token mm. way but you know in terms of education and awareness around disabilities in our community mm -hmm. in terms of challenging stereotypes mm -hmm. um in terms of creating support networks they just sometimes sadly they just don't exist mm -hmm. and what that does is it really marginalizes those families mm -hmm. that have um, you know a child with a disability mm -hmm. even an adult with a disability and they can't then access the many many benefits of coming to a community center mm -hmm. whether that's a mosque or a you know a actual um functioning civic you know a, a center that caters for the local community mm -hmm. uh, and that just yeah it's tragic because there is awareness out there in wider society um and we're in a country that alhamdulillah there's quite a lot of awareness o obviously nothing's perfect mm -hmm. but i think as a muslim community we are still quite behind mm -hmm. in, in this area um and there's so much we could be doing like 
having more mentoring uh, for those families that are dealing with this and you know could do with better networks we we should be able to set up ways that families are getting more one-to-one support from the masjid mm-hmm. community mm-hmm. um making information more accessible even the buildings that we're mm-hmm. renovating or building mm-hmm. you know is it disability friendly is there you know um wheelchair access are there lifts are there ramps are there there's so many that's just on the physical front Mm. but um yeah and and actually going forward like evaluating how we function as a mosque Mm. or as a community center and doing that evaluation in a way where we're looking and asking what would improve Mm. um participation from those people in our community with a disability. So I think there's so much work to be done. Mm. Yes. Uh, one letter just raises the question mm. of, because I've, you know, they're all addressed to the mother, mm. of how she feels, of how she's, um, you know, negotiating all of this. Does she feel left out? And I think sometimes, as I've raised in that letter, people mean well. People want to do something. Mm-hmm. They often don't know what to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like that sometimes when I've um, noticed a particular um, child and you can see the difficulty and you can see it's difficult for the mum and you just don't know if you say something will it be offensive if you offer help if you Mm. speak to them you know you just it's hard to navigate so that's where more education and awareness if Mm. we can share that Mm. um, those who want to help will actually feel okay that's what that yes. family would find useful um, and they won't find this offensive but they would find that unhelpful so mm. yeah just so much more so much more communication um, mm. and practical steps that we need to take yeah and I think that's why maybe this this letter is important and actually the, the book in itself so you know dear mother letters from the heart um, the idea that you know you, you tackle some really big kind of subjects but I think what's really lovely is this kind of it's almost a um, it's a conversational format, isn't it? That you're kind of having with, with the reader, and, and it's I think sparking conversations that inshallah that we're able to then take, having read this book, and then go to yeah, like um, you know our local mosques or you know people who um, are organising you know community events and things, and have those conversations. Mm-hmm. Say, look, what can we do to to you know create a space where we can at least start you know talking about these things, and then maybe implementing change. And I think that's what's so wonderful about you know the letters that you've written. It's that I'm um, inshallah, hopefully you know that catalyst to get you know. Um, yeah the, the change moving having the, those conversations that maybe we're not having um as well so and and just like another completely kind of different um uh topic again which is it's the seventh letter in the book and it's dear mother expecting a boy and this again um I found in, in, intriguing because, I mean, for example, for myself, I, ha- I have two girls. Um, so it was interesting to me. Oh, I wonder what this kind of perspective will bring, you know, in, in, through this letter. And you mentioned in it this idea of um, like privileged privileged boys um, and how this could potentially kind of perpetuate inequality between the way sons and daughters are raised um, or the attitudes, I guess, in, in raising them. Um, so what do you think, is there, is there a way to kind of navigate the, the challenge of the way we, we're raising sons and daughters? Um, but but also at the same time, acknowledging that, yeah, they're, they're two, there's two different ways. I, I don't know two different ways necessarily, but... Um, yeah, something there, as in, you know, boys and girls are different and how you navigate all of that, but also be kind of, um, you know, with, with justice and equity. I think I think you've probably answered it so well <laughs> in your question, because um, that's exactly really, um, Rana, um, mm. what I have tried to focus on, that in our dean, there is justice, there is equity, mm. but there's mm. also an acknowledgement, very simply in the Quran, that the you know male is not like the female, mm. and so there are different needs, aren't there? Mm. Um, but that letter is actually, yeah, it is about cultures where, and there's too many of these cultures where 
boy children are mm. preferred, mm. sadly. Mm. Um, I don't have any brothers, so mm. this wasn't coming from personal experience sure. in that sense. It's not my baggage. Sure. I haven't got brothers, so, okay. you know, with two sisters, and alhamdulillah, we were given a lot of opportunities. Mm. Um, I myself have got two daughters and a son. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, the last thing we would want to do is privilege him over his sure, sister's ever. <laughs> I'm sure they wouldn't let you anyway. <laughs> no, no, hopefully he's not no, no, at all. What, with my ear to the ground, though, mm. you know, we all live in our communities and our families and, and not just ear to the ground, but globally, mm. there is still a huge problem mm. on so many levels. There's a problem with... Um, pregnancies and revealing the sex Mm. of the child Mm. you know in some countries if it's a male all's well if it's if it's a girl there Mm. are other discussions Mm. Mm. it's so tragic in today's world um and then most of this letter deals with actually raising boys Mm. um and what why this privilege seems to have happened and Mm. it's you know the and it's a lot of cultural baggage isn't it Mm. Whereas we know Islamically uh, that the equality mm. of opportunity is absolutely foremost, especially with education, mm-hmm. you know, love and affection, gifts, treatment at all levels. There's mm-hmm. no difference in the way that that girl or boy's mm-hmm. character, soul, heart, mind is valued. Mm-hmm. They've equal value. Treatment-wise, um, some things might be different, and and even that I can't generalize hmm. because yeah, you know, every girl boy is different, every family setup is different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think what that letter was getting at was really quite simple: is that we shouldn't be by now still preferring, mm. as some cultures do, male children. And I have heard it firsthand. You know, there's mm. been baby girls born and some really unkind things which i have mentioned in another letter mm-hmm. um said to the mother as if she had any control over mm. the gender of her baby i yeah, mean yeah. none of it makes any sense yeah. but it's extremely hurtful and un-islamic mm. actually mm-hmm. to have this preference for baby boys yeah. um we know that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam um clearly said that uh, you know father or parents that bring up two girls mm. and treat them justly mm-hmm. and you know uh, is a guardian to them will be you know next in, in jannah i mean that is such a huge obviously i'm paraphrasing and yeah, summarizing it yeah but the, the the reward for raising girls is huge mm. so where there is all this cultural baggage which is there we can't mm. pretend it's not there it's there mm-hmm. um i have yeah, I've challenged it in that letter and in another letter somewhere, I think, as well. Yeah, and I think you've, you know, challenged it in a very kind of powerful but also gentle way, which is, you know, really, really important. And and I think you're right because, I mean, as I mentioned, I've got, um, I have two daughters and I do get those comments as well. Um about you know why why don't you want another one because you know you 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 don't you want a son and I'm like I do not know how you want me to answer that question because it's it's yeah yeah, I just it is you know it's upsetting not the fact that oh yeah it's making me feel so yeah you know I'm I'm somehow void of something but just Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's the attitude isn't it and um And you know, like you said about about the about the hadith of, of, of raising daughters and the reward, and there's so much mm-hmm. there, you know, within our own faith. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but the thing is, the idea is it's important to maybe, of course, you know, you need to push back, you need to challenge. I guess if it's you know our older saying it, we're going to take a slightly different approach into how we maybe answer those questions. But you know, sometimes you, you know, I hear it from parents or people from my own generation and even that's when I feel like oh you know <laughs> I'm not really expecting it but it is it's those mm-hmm. I guess it's generation attitudes which um you know just I guess continue don't they and and um maybe why you know the book Dear Mother and all the different letters are important you know like I, I mentioned before um and actually that the conversation we're having it kind of flows quite nicely into um 
letter number 13 which is dear mothers struggling to be fair and oh my goodness I love the way you wrote this chapter because the drama or the role play thing that you play out I was like how many times have I been in this situation where I'm like oh how do I deal with this particular thing or someone wants one toy someone wants this sweet um it could be any you know random kind of uh, situation and yeah and I, I love the way that you uh, presented that you know and um there's a subheading called, you know, the an age-old problem and this idea of a fairness test. Um, mm. So, yeah, I guess, you know, just on that um, that letter, what... Yeah, I mean, we've talked a little bit about this idea of equity and justice, but, but how do we do that as, as um, parents? Because we know fairness is, I guess, it's a spectrum, right? So how do we, how yeah. do we navigate that? It, that's it's such a hard one isn't it Imran mm. and I'm, I was laughing because yeah I've been caught in that when they were little yeah. so many times um, and I think the main point I was making there were two main points in that letter okay mm. one was this whole childhood fair everything's counted out exactly mm. um, you know and we do our best right mm. we do our best but when they're little it's quite simple in some ways because it's you know small object or it's the number of you know the type of ice cream or whatever mm. um and you can kind of get around it but it's making the point that fair we mm. should be fair absolutely we should be fair but um but it doesn't have to look identical mm. yeah so what um what one really needs is different to what the other child really needs and so it's getting them to understand slowly as they get older very gradually mm. that fair can look different and it's still fair mm. right yeah. the equality doesn't look the same and the second point i was making in that letter which is actually really uh, quite a heavy deep topic mm. and i kept coming across it with older women mm. mm -hmm. And that was that they're like in their 70s, in their early 80s, and they've got baggage mm. from when they were young about something that wasn't fair. Um, you know, it, mm. it might have been education. It might have been the situation, the econ economics of their family. There's so many issues that come up after all these decades. Mm. And over years, sort of listening, talking and exploring all that, you realize that there's a lack of understanding of risk mm. and that risk is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and there's only so much a parent can do. Mm. You know, um, one parent with four children, or, I mean parents as in, you know, mother sure. or yeah. both parents, <clears throat> a single parent, whatever the situation is, when they've got four children, their, their life is not going to be static. Mm -hmm. um, there's going to be economic ups and downs, different types of tests. There are going to be health tests, possibly. We don't know. There's like a whole number of different rubrics that will affect each child's life differently. Mm -hmm. And when I hear that some really elderly people um, being still, you can tell they still are not resolved always about how the cookie crumbled. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Sometimes you realize that their lives would be much easier if they've understood risk mm. and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written a certain amount for me and for you and for our siblings and it's not always going to be the same. Mm. So there's yeah. the two sides to that letter, the childhood side, uh, you know, need, wanting fairness and that's an innate need in all of us, right? Mm. We're human, everybody wants fairness. Mm. But at the same time, the other side of that coin is we're not going to have identical to each other. So fairness isn't identical. Um, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to test us in different ways. He's going to withhold certain things from one sibling that he's going to give to another one. He's going to give that sibling something else that isn't going to come to the other one. And we can't blame these poor parents always. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm quite, you know, I really do push back every time mm. parents are guilt-tripped about yes a whole range of things yeah yeah <laughs> because by and large i'm not talking to exceptions here you know mm -hmm. obviously we're not condoning anything wrong or mm. abuse of any sort but by and large talking to the middle parents are doing their best yeah and that's all i think yeah. that's all they're we can their ever... best. they're doing their best yeah. and not trying to make their children's lives vastly different exactly but yeah. 
mm. comes into it. So that's why a large mm. part of that letter is about risk. And, you know, what has Allah written for us? And I think you capture, capture that whole essence so beautifully. I mean, it was such a, I really had to stop as I was reading and reread, you know, about that because it was such a beautiful reminder. Um, and you also talk, you, you mentioned that we're not, you're not to confuse kind of individu- individuality with the harm of individualism. Um, but yeah, again, this idea of, of risk and actually makes me think because obviously we're in now the month of Zulhijjah and we know um, the story of um, Sayyidina Hajar and obviously what happens in terms of her being um, left with, you know, her son Ismail in this kind of barren land and the risk that Allah gives her that we now every year go and perform Hajj and we... um, we we literally walk in her footsteps, you know, when we're doing Safa Maron. What what a status to to give to a mother, but also the the conviction in your faith to know that the all the risk that comes from Allah and um, you know I think it's such a powerful thing and to be able to share, I guess, an aspect of that with our children. So at a younger age, yeah, you're right. You, you know the way that you tackle it in the letter this idea of yeah things about being fair you know things about fairness but not being identical and you know and as I guess our children are growing up how yeah we we kind of explain to them what risk actually means and how that how we might see that playing out in our lives is so so important um but yeah no I mean thank you so much for for writing this particular letter for writing all the letters I think you know dear mother letters from the heart truly truly um is a book I can tell <clears throat> that's been written you know from the heart and may connect you know with other hearts as well inshallah and um I mean we've got a couple of minutes left and I guess I just wanted to ask um all the listeners who might be you know really interested in in um, following your work and you know getting a copy of of the book how is best for for them to do that yeah, thanks, Imrana. Um, well, the, the fastest way to get the book at the moment is through mm. Cube Publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, the other online stores all release it around the middle of July. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you log into Cube Publishing, they have an Eid al-Adha uh, special offer going on as mm, well. Fantastic. You can get it for a little bit less, as well as many other brand new titles, amazing titles out mm-hmm. there um, that they've released this month. Um, and I about this book mostly active on instagram uh, so that's the rooted underscore writer or my facebook page which is my name mm-hmm. um part of writing this though i definitely want to give a shout out to the editor dr lubaba alazami mm-hmm. um she came in to the whole manuscript editing uh, after i'd finished and she was absolutely brilliant mashallah so there's you know that's a really brilliant. good Mm. thorough process she put it through so this is a real team effort it's not just me writing the letters there's an editor there there's absolutely you know of course. Has her own experience of motherhood and her own perspective um she's a different generation to me and just, which was great that's um, brilliant I just... I, in the process of writing this became a grandmother thank you for listening to our podcast why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org And follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at InspireFM Luton.